Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and I know it's been a minute since the last time you and I have spoken, and I want to thank you so much for following the Thrive Bites podcast. And I just want to let you know that there's good reason for that, and let me explain. In almost six months, I've been working tirelessly and diligently to helping people near and far during this tumultuous year that we've had from 2020 into 2021. And I said to myself, what more can I do to inspire and impact others? And you guys know me, I'm all about thriving. I'm all about thriving from a emotional, mental, and physical standpoint. That is the reason why I wrote Thrive Medicine. And that is the reason why I started this podcast called Thrive Bites. And so I decided that I wanted to put together a virtual summit experience, gathering over 50 speakers. That includes physicians, dietitians, fitness experts, coaches, and spanning over five pillars in teaching someone else on learning how to thrive. And I call this the Thrive Formula. The five pillars consist of food as medicine, functional fitness, relationships, community, and resilience. And the reason why I've chosen to do this is because I really wanted to give more tools, more education, and more inspiration. And letting people know that they're not alone and they don't have to be ill-equipped for life and whatever life throws at you, whether it's a curveball, whether it's an obstacle, whether it's a roadblock. And I worked really hard to provide this and I'm happy to announce that it is fully released and it's fully accessible. And you may ask yourself, who is this for and what does it consist of? This is for the individual that prioritizes their health and wellness and also wants to take charge of their own well-being. It's also for the healthcare professional and the healthcare professional student because I wanted to create a summit experience that I wish I could have had when I was in school. The summit experience has over 50 plus hours plus more ranging from culinary demonstrations to fitness demonstrations to scientific medical sessions. And we answer questions like, what is Whole Foods plant-based cooking? How do I start cooking back in my kitchen? What affects my brain, gut, and immune health? What are the tools for my own emotional and mental well-being? How can I be more of service and lead by example? What kind of nutrition do I need to give my children nowadays? To how do I navigate self-doubt, self-sabotage, my inner critic? to what are the best physical movements to increase my mobility, strength, flexibility, and function. And one of my favorites is how do I create more joy, contentment, and happiness in my own life? This summit also works like a masterclass series where you get to learn and further your education. And I do this by providing quizzes with every session and I provide workbooks. And there's also recipes and very, very special speaker bonuses. You'll also have the opportunity to join a private Facebook community to further your growth and connect with like-minded individuals. So if this resonates with you, please join us on this journey to further yourself and take back 2021 and beyond. You can find us at thriveformula.co. That's T-H-E-T-H-R number five, formula.co. And come on inside and I'll see you in there. Cheers. 
Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us on the Thrive Bites podcast. This is season four, and we're so excited for you to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dr. Colin Zhu, double boarded in family and lifestyle medicine, and I interview the best and most passionate health and wellness experts of the industry on this platform. And we talk about plant powered living, emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And this season, we're taking it live, we're taking it on multiple platforms, and we're taking it as a Q&A discussion as well as our interviewing of our guests. So we're super stoked about this. And please remember to like and subscribe down below, and we will see you. Welcome to the next episode. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for being here with us on the Thrive Buys podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much. You can be anywhere in the world, and I'm very, very happy for you to spend just a few moments to uh, share with us for today's discussion and episode. Um, so today we're going to be, uh, you know, talking about navigating our identity and I have a fabulous, fabulous host with us today or fabulous guest, I should say. Um, his name is Dr. Francis Yu. Um, he's born and raised um, in New York and uh, his own life journey has took him to various mainstream and unconventional paths for healing growth and development. Um, he uh, graduated from NYU um, in mathematics and philosophy. Um, and he actually, you know, did a little uh, side gigs in terms of DJing um, in uh, various underground hip hop shows. And I love it. He earned his uh, doctor of osteopathy degree, another osteopath, very, very, uh, very welcomed from the New York College of Osteopathic Medicine. And uh, he's also combined his residency in family medicine and neuromuscular medicine um, as well, and is both uh, board certified. He is an avid learner. Um, he's been certified in medical acupuncture, clinical homeopathy, um, integrative medicine, pain medicine. Um, he's done um, some training in Myers-Briggs uh, uh, certifications and a whole, and a whole various uh, line um, of others as well. And um, for today, his pursuit of self-healing and development has been crucial elements for his own journey uh, far and wide, and his main interest is bringing all of his knowledge um, and experience to help others heal, heal and develop. And he's currently uh, has a part-time process um, and his non-clinical work, uh, which we're interested in talking about today, is helping Asian American physicians examine, explore, experience, and express their authentic self in a meaningful and fulfilling way so that they can stop living someone else's life and start living their own. So without further ado, please welcome Dr. Francis Yu. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. I was like, who is that? Who is he talking about? And it's like, oh, that's me. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's you, my friend. <laughs> well, number one, thank you so much. Um, you know, for being here um, with us on the show, um, you know, your time and expertise and, um, you know, you're very, very invaluable um, to our community, um, you know, not just as an Asian American, but as a human being, as a physician, as an osteopath, as someone that shows up. Um, and I love, you know, this topic that we're, you know, uh, talk or about to talk about. And I think it's something that um, we don't explore 
you know, mm -hmm. enough on and um, super, super important. So before we go into uh, the nitty gritty of it, um, I like to start off by asking my guests their origin story. Um, can you share a little bit about how you got into medicine and um, the different iterations of medicine <laughs> you had gone through um, afterwards because you have dwelled into so much and I would love to know the why behind all that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, I was born in, in uh, New York to immigrant parents and they had a really tough time uh, making their lifestyle and their living and to support me and you know, very common immigrant lifestyle. And fortunately, or unfortunately, it depends how you look at it. I was just good at maybe not studying. I was good at taking tests, maybe. I just got, and I was able to do well on tests and exams and school, uh, kind of like that nerdy, introverted kid. Uh, but I, I never really had this thing where I want to this when I grow up. I, I, I was not the four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old that said, I want to be a this kind of doctor in 30 years. That was just not my experience. Uh, and I had to actually, from what I know now, has been a somewhat common experience. There's been a lot of, uh, let's call it encouragement from uh, my parents to pursue a career that's uh, quote unquote highly respected and um, it's more of a secure job and pays well and things like this. And of course, I did like science. I did like math. I, I do like talking with people and engaging with people. So medicine kind of kind of happened. So I kind of went with the flow, and the flow took me to school, residency, and learning a lot of different things. Uh, so that's kind of the part one, I suppose, uh, and the family medicine residency, right? Why family medicine? And and I always say because I didn't love any other rotation, and I kind of liked it all. Uh, but but honestly speaking, though, uh, if I look back on it, if I'm true true to myself, the real answer was I wasn't sure and I couldn't commit. I couldn't dedicate myself to a single thing. I just wanted I just wanted it all so that I could experience it all and perhaps do something with it later. And not only that, I did a combined residency, right? So I had family medicine and this osteopathic manipulative medicine training. And all the other training as well, acupuncture, integrative medicine, pain medicine, uh, kind of was my way to, uh, well, uh, one way to see it is to learn more, which is very true. I, I'm an avid learner. I like learning. But it was for a way for me to figure out what way can I hone and navigate my career, my persona, my identity, my how I show up in the world and do things for other people. And... Uh, and yeah, and that also goes with all the other non-medical things I've done as well. Nice, nice. Yeah, I could definitely, definitely relate, um, you know, very, very similarly because I've, you know, also been trained in family medicine and, you know, took a lot of detours myself. And um, it's quite interesting because you said that, you know, kind of exploring your own identity, you know, um, I would I, I would presume professional identity um, or maybe personal identity as well. Mm -hmm. um, would you say? Yeah, definitely both. Definitely both. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I could definitely relate um, on that because when I started my professional career, I ended up doing locums and um, that's uh, Latin for to hold a place. And, you know, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's kind of like a substitute teacher for doctors where, <laughs> you know, if a doctor falls ill, maternity leave, passes on, quit, whatever the reason is, um, you know, we are contacted to con kind of, you know, fill in that gap. And um, I chose that route to, you know, really explore, um, you know, the kind of like the atypical route. So I totally understand um, in terms of um, all these different, you know, pathways, you know, um, in terms of how to incorporate different modalities. Was it the reason, you know, you found, you know, incorporating all these different certifications and all these modalities? Was it one, just to learn more uh, tools uh, for your toolbox to be able to help patients? Or do you feel like, you know, one specialty or one subspecialty um, just wasn't enough? Or at the time, you know, you felt like it wasn't complete or comprehensive to help your patient? I think the easiest way to answer that is I was just exploring, as you mm -hmm. said, my personal and professional identity. And I was done with my residency and I was working and I help people. My staff likes me, patients like me. That's all fine. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, there are some other part of me that was just said, maybe there's something else or maybe you can learn something to do even better for people. Maybe I don't know enough. You know, these are all the struggles I have. I don't know enough. I don't have enough things. Uh, people know more than I do, and uh, mm. these are things I've struggled with. And uh, I actually, the re I actually grandfathered into the pain and the integrated medicine mm. <laughs> right before they required the uh, the fellowships. It's because uh, I just took so much CME that I was able to just <laughs> take the exam. And um, so that's that's kind of like a not a caveat, the, the disclaimer there. Uh, but that yeah. goes to show that I did hundreds of hours of this training and. Uh, I think uh, I, part of it is just me looking for myself more. Like how am I really showing up and actually helping out other people? I can always say I like to learn, which is true. Uh, but I realized personally it was also about how am I really actually serving? What what is my my niche, my my mm -hmm. talent, my place, my how can I best help people that I in a way that I'm good at? That's also very that nourishes me and others people at the same time. Mm. I was I was exploring and discovering and finding out what's out there uh, because there's a lot out there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I could definitely you know relate on that. My, you know, I say this a, a few times throughout the the years that um, you know I couldn't have gotten my start without you know my own mother being you know a traditional Chinese medical doctor, and uh, you know. Chinese medicine by itself, as you can, as you know, uh, having done medical acupuncture, is just so many different approaches, perspectives, ways of looking at it, and it's a very holistic, you know, way of looking at it. And that's how I got into osteopathy and wanting to be a DO as opposed mm -hmm. to an MD because mm -hmm. I just fell in love with the philosophy. And you know, kind of like you with family medicine, I was like, oh, it's like I can't just pick one. You know, I just want to do a whole bunch of them. You know, and I can understand, you know, why the other sub. Um, uh, you know, certifications. So, um, so let's change gears a little bit. And, um, you know, nowadays we are, um, you know, for those that are not in the healthcare, you know, uh, system, 
And even before COVID, uh, we've have faced, you know, as healthcare providers, whether you're a physician and um, nurse or you know an allied health professional, you know, it's uh, our healthcare system can be improved, not the best. Um, there's so many different players, so many different cooks in the kitchen per se um, that revolves around it. And uh, you know, I don't. I would love to hear you know your point of view um, and your experience over time with it so far. But like you know, I've been jaded and disenchanted with it. You know, for different you know reasons and different occasions. Um, and I wanted to you know really do more. You know, um, I wish I could just wave a magic wand um, and uh, you know just be able to fix everything. But there's just so many pieces to it. So. Yeah. A large part of it is the growing and evolving trends of talking about physician wellness and physician burnout and physician, you know, suicide, you know, and a large part of that is getting kind of lost in that shuffle. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the question is, is that um, when we're talking about that and, you know, here we're talking about navigating our identity, why do you think that's a important question to ask you know, ourselves, you know, as we're, you know, kind of like what you're doing right now or have been doing over time. Why is that an important question to ask yourself, you know, who am I at the end of the day? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I really like Seth Godin has this, a short and a longer video called What is School For? And this is my paraphrasing of it. Um, School is it's kind of like a it's basically a grading system, right? Once you're you pass the exam, your 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 quality of your product is good enough to go to the next stage, go from kindergarten to first grade, the next, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in the end, looking back on it, school is very important, very educational. It helped me with a lot of things, but the one thing it didn't help me with, it was learn how to be me, learn how to live a life that's actually the most healthy for me. There wasn't a Francis Yu 101 or introduction to Francis Yu or introduction to how to know you or or the, the semester on self-discovery or whatnot. It's, it's just not what school is made for. So uh, me being to, let's say, how many 20 plus grades of school, right? Physicians and those who work in the healthcare, they just have a lot of education, uh, more and more education about about how other stuff works, but not really how to know themselves per se. So now, like when I graduated, it's like, oh, I'm a doctor now. Okay, yeah, I'm a doctor, I have my badge, I have my white coat and things like this. But what about when I'm home? My white coat is off, my badge is off. Uh, I'm, I'm a person besides being a physician. Uh, and some physicians are, and a- anyone actually that has a title or work title, they're, they can be so enmeshed, identify with their persona of I'm this at work, that um, once that part of their identity is gone or is that threatened or challenged, whether it is from internally from lack of wellness or burnout, whatever you call it, or when you retire, it's just, what did I explore the parts of me that's, um, how to call it, not ancillary, but complementary to this work persona, you know, whether it is being like a son or whether it is being 
other aspects of me that may not have been explored because of this a lot of attention given to education, the work, etc. And uh, it's going back to the the, the question uh, is is that you know we talk about self care, but what is this self? I mean, yes, we can talk about the basic physiologic needs like sleep, uh, nutritious. Like, good nutritious ratioed food and activity things like this uh, but what i'm what i obsess over i suppose is the whole who am i at the end of the day who am i if i can't be a doctor who am i if let's say i'm not a son anymore because my parents are gone or or whatever at the end of the day if i'm alone and nothing else is going on i still have a self and how do i care for that self because out of that meaning uh, comes a a identity that's not necessarily tied to other things that I can express myself fully uh, in any sort of environment, whether it's at work, et cetera, things like this. And that's why for me, the meaning and the fulfillment and identity is such a core element of, of the wellness we're talking about. Yeah. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Dr. Colin Zhu, AKA the chef doc. I just want to take a few moments of your time to talk to you about something, something that I feel needs to give reflection and pause for. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know for me, I've been on the self-work journey for a decade now. And I remember in my personal experiences uh, through my doctor's journeys and also from traveling the world, I was always searching for the next step or thinking that happiness was a destination. However, it's not. What I found instead was that life was a process. And learning about life was also a process and a practice. And that the state of happiness and the state of joy and contentment was also a practice. For those of you who don't know, since I don't share that much on my podcast, is that I actually battle with anxiety, OCD, and in the past, episodes of depression. However, little by little, step by step, after seeking extra help, I've been able to achieve monumental things in my life that I've been eternally grateful for. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is a sponsor of this podcast. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's counselor network, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. A couple of reviews. This is by Rebecca Raymer. Becky has literally saved my life by truly understanding me. She has given me self-talk strategies, 
and different thought pattern exercises that have made me stronger and a more aware person. I am so, so grateful to have found her. I've been to so many different therapists and none have helped me like Becky has. This is another review for Adam Johnson. I've had counselors before, both on BetterHelp and in person through work. And Adam, by far, is the best counselor I've ever talked with. I feel like he actually listens to and what is going on. He asks questions to help you navigate your thoughts. And you can tell that he is listening and wants you to help you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 1.4 million people taking charge of their mental state with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Thrive Bite listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash the chef doc. T-H-E-C-H-E-F-D-O-C. Thank you for listening, guys. And back to the episode. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's so many, <laughs> so many things to tease <laughs> apart in that one. Um, but you hit, you hit something, you know, really important is the self part, right? And uh, it's almost like you know you don't really get a chance to, you know, you know, actually take the time out to explore that, right? Because you know, we go into, you know, preschool and uh, grade school starting at like four or five years old. And then you are part of the system, mm-hmm. whether it's public, you know, I've only been in public schools. I don't know what private schools are like, um, but, you know, you're part of the system. It's very structured, right? You take a bajillion tests um, and, uh, you know, maybe you get bullied, maybe you don't, maybe if you're lucky, you don't, you know, and, uh, you form different kinds of relationships and it's almost like you form a basis of yourself based off of, you know, everyone else, you know, I say this a lot on the podcast, you know, your external world is a reflection of your internal world. So, you know, in a way, when you're asking that question of, you know, what is the self, it's almost like you actually have no, no time to actually, you know, process that and actually get a chance to explore that, yeah. right? Unless you, for example, you know, you go straight through school. Uh, let's just say you don't go into college or university, you take a gap year, you know, um, or after, um, you know, college or university. I know that after, um, outside of the United States, it's a very common thing um, you know, for like Europeans, Australians, you know, to take a gap year, you know, and what they'll do is that they'll go around the world and uh, work or travel and things like that. And to me, that's like, that's the, that's the juice right there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's the juice right there. And, um, you know, I guess to me, more time, the better, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't think there's not enough time, you know, you, you need more time. And then once you, you know, are done with school, you go into the workforce, you get a J-O-B, you know, and then you get <laughs> married and you have a bajillion other responsibilities. And that's what I called um, the default life in, in, in my book. Default um, life, yeah. yeah, the default life, just, you know, doing that pattern, you know what I'm saying? So, um, so what my follow up question to that is, you know, how have you 
you know, explored that self? You know, what was your individual journey? You know, what did it, you know, consist of? You know, was it books? Was it conferences? Yeah, was it yeah. just solitude? Was it tra- like, what was it for you? Um, so people can have an idea of what that means to exp- yeah. explore the self. Yeah, for me, I think more solitude probably would have been better. Uh, but I ended up, not that I regret it, studying uh, Jungian psychology uh, with the Myers-Briggs type indicator, uh, the Enneagram, which is another psycho-spiritual system, some cognitive behavior therapy, uh, the Chinese medicine aspect of it, uh, well-known and lesser-known meditative, contemplative uh, schools, uh, basically everything from Basically, if it if it exists, there's a 80-85% chance that I've heard of it to a certain extent. I basically explored a lot of different things, uh, which I, I don't regret. But uh, now that I look back on it, the solitude and really seeking inwards would help, help me a lot. Because all this searching, what it helped me do is cognitively think I know things now. Okay, now I know this. I know the structure. I know how this theory works. Uh, but that I was still afraid to actually do anything about it, meaning it was in my head, but not in my heart and my body. Uh, it was only until I started really bringing that into my whole, I don't call it system, but really getting into the action motion of it, putting myself in challenging situations instead of just withdrawing and running away and and intellectualizing and everything, and as well as getting help, whether uh, it's coach, uh, psych- my union psychoanalyst, or uh, simply others that uh, finding comfort when I need to, but also finding challenges when I need to. Uh, it's because, um, uh, yeah, I, uh, my train of thought kind of uh, paused there, but it was really a lot of learning and education but the understanding really came from when my heart and body became involved, which is a very kind of enneagramic kind of concept where you can't just focus on the head or just on the heart or just on the body. I mean, you could, but it's just more effective and efficient if you just, all of them switch on and are working together. Yeah. Mm. To me, I mean, I guess there's so many different uh, philosophies that uh, have talked about that kind of, you know, that connection, right? Um, A lot of, you know, uh, I guess masters of the time athletes would call this like the flow, you know, just getting into the zone and, you know, just having everything connect. And depending on your profession, depending on what industry you, you work in, you could either be more logical and analytical, right. Um, and tend to like, just, you know, just think overanalyze sometimes to the extreme of what we call, um, analysis paralysis, or, you know, you could be a, 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 an extreme, you know, creative and, you know, learn to just ebb and flow with, um, you know, different uh, moments, um, maybe feelings and emotions to kind of bring about a certain uh, certain expression, you know, and, and that's where we talk about, that's where musicians live and art, many different kinds of artists and actors and athletes live, you know, so, um, but what you bring up is, you know, what I think, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is really about understanding and exploring yourself to a certain degree where, um, you know, it's almost like the mind 
or, you know, maybe another word of it, you know, would be the ego, right? And the heart and the spirit, or, you know, you call the soul um, are all connected and they're not opposing to one another. Mm -hmm. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it's definitely, that sounds, that sounds pretty good. Uh, the one, one thing, uh, because people react differently. And for me, uh, a lot of it was working on my reactions because I know when I'm in a tough situation, I just kind of freeze or block it out. I run away or withdraw or I get fearful or, or there's a sub, some set of patterns that I now recognize that I do where I shut down or my brain takes over things about these uh, solutions, possible solution. Oh, you could do this. You could do this. You could do this, but end up not doing any of them. Mm. Uh, and, and different people have different uh, patterns and habits they have. Uh, a lot of it is about finding out how I don't serve myself the best way. Uh, let's put it this way. Certain defenses and ways are really good for us. They protect us. They, 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 they defend us from external or psychological anxieties, et cetera. Uh, but at some point, if we really want to grow, it's about facing, truly facing how we sabotage ourselves and say, I'm going to face this. It's going to be uncomfortable and grow from that. And it's exceptionally hard because you're facing down, when I say down, but you're facing uh, things that are in service of you, but protecting you, but um, maybe too protective. It's, it's not allowing you to really grow into uh, dangerous areas. As, as I always say, stress is a force that causes change. Uh, for example, you know, our, our part of our ear bone, the mastoid process, that little bump here, doesn't exist when we're born. It's the baby turning their head uh, with their muscle that actually makes that makes that bone, and, and that's what stress is. Uh, but sometimes uh, that stress is maybe too much, so we need to protect ourselves. But if we keep protecting yourself and you don't use the stress for a transformative, positive navigation working through, then you'll just kind of stay to where you are, which I'm not saying is good or bad. It's just if you really want to grow, then it's 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 um, having to look at yourself and challenge yourself is is not comfortable at all. But there's something beautiful <laughs> that comes after. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to simple to to summarize, um, <laughs> it's it's really you know finding the growth in discomfort as opposed to just remaining where you are yeah. uh, within. Uh, you know, the sandbox, you know, per se, and then, you know, trying to say yourself, you know, I kind of want to go outside of the sandbox, you know, but I'm a little bit afraid, you know, like this is really comfortable. Like who wouldn't want to just stay in the sandbox and just play all day long. Right. But you know that there's something, you know, a little bit over the hillside of that other side of the playground that, okay. Um, you know, we can explore a little bit more, you know, uh, maybe it's safe, maybe it's not safe. I don't know, but it's important, you know, to, uh, to do so. And, um, I think something like that, a principle like that is super key and it's applicable in, you know, in so many different applications, um, of life because how as an individual you grow, how as a society will we grow? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
So this is great. Um, and I want to take a, a quick commercial break. Um, guys, uh, for those of you that are joining on, I'm here with the awesome Dr. Francis Yu. We're talking about navigating our identity. And um, if you have any comments or questions, you know, please write it down in a box. And, uh, you know, we'll just take a quick, you know, 30, uh, 30 second uh, commercial break. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Colin Zhu, aka The Chef Doc, and thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to my podcast. On my podcast, we talk about eating and cooking and living from a whole foods, plant-based approach. And between my patients, clients, and my audience listeners, I get a lot of questions of, hey doc, how do I get started on how to set up a kitchen? Or what should I buy? What should I make? Is there something beyond a salad, broccoli, and a smoothie? I know in our fast paced life and during a pandemic, it is much more challenging to be able to teach yourself and learning how to cook. And so I partner up with Listenable, who is a leader in audio educational courses that are bite-sized. And I went ahead and created a course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And in this course, I put in my best tips, tools, and tricks on everything that I've learned on how to get someone started to eating more plants, getting healthier for you and your family. I talk about how to set up your kitchen from the pantry to the fridge, to the freezer, to how to navigate the supermarket, to what kind of utensils and appliances one needs to have, to what do we need to make, how to meal prep, what kind of cooking techniques there are, and what exactly is whole foods plant-based. And I'm able to make this course over 10 lessons. Each of those lessons are less than 10 minutes long. And you'll be able to finish this in an hour. You could even do it while commuting, exercising, or even walking your dog. And in addition, you can choose from over 3,000 plus original audio lessons created by well-loved experts. Just use the coupon code ColinZhu, C-O-L-I-N-Z-H-U, on Listenable.io, and you'll be able to get 30% off a year of Listenable. So definitely check that out in the show notes, and check out the course on how to get started on a whole foods plant-based lifestyle. And I'll see you there. Thanks for listening. And now back to Thrivebytes. Welcome back to Thrivebytes. Let's get back to the interview. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, for those that are joining, uh, this is Thrivebytes Podcast. I'm here with the awesome Dr. Francis Yu, and we're talking about uh, navigating our identity. So we're going to switch up a little bit here uh, and we're going to go a little bit deeper. And so, you know, a part of your non-clinical work, um, you have uh, stated um, that you're very passionate about helping other Asian American physicians navigate um, through different areas of themselves, right? So the question is why, you know, why is this important um, you know, I, I'm guessing there's two subsets to this because one, you have Asian American and then two, you have, you know, the physician, you know, the, the, the medical health part of it combining together. So I don't know if you want to break that down into two pieces, but like, why, yeah. why, you know, um, why that focus? The, 
the short answer is that I can just relate to because I am an Asian American physician, and with my experience helping others in this sort of context, it, I, I think the people that gravitate toward, gravitated towards me and my background are those who had similar experiences. And they're Asian American and they're physician and have similar sort of um, situations or context growing up, relationship with parents. Uh, for a lot of people, it's being either immigrants or children of immigrants. And there's a, I don't say peculiar, but a, a theme of commonalities that's there. Uh, and it's simply, it's easier to relate. And building that rapport is just such an important part of working together. And uh, that's, 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 yeah, I think um, I'm sure I could go deeper, but that's really the, uh, the crux of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's um it's very important. I think um yeah, it's a very common thing. Um sometimes it's used in comedy bits a lot where you know, uh you know, are you know, I'm I'm first generation, you know, Chinese American, so my parents are immigrants and we were talking on, you know, offline and you're of Korean descent and your parents are uh immigrants as well, so you're also first generation, right? Um so the commonality and the shared lived experience um, is super, super important, right? And uh, I think, you know, we it's get made fun of a lot. And going back to the comedy bit, it's like, you know, you know, it's funny because, you know, whenever you think of an Asian uh, parent wanting their kid to go on a certain route, it's either a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer of sorts, um, you know, maybe a couple other things. And, um, honestly, I, I don't know. Have you ever asked your parents why, like why, you know, um, because there's yeah. actually, you know, no really true, you know, like, you know, we, you know, and, and as, as children, we were just like, okay, okay, sure. Um, I don't really like the, the sound of this. It doesn't really sound that attractive and that appealing, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and along with this because, you know, we're just complacent and we don't really, you know, talk back to authority. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, have you asked your parents why? Yeah, I've actually been developing my relationship with them, and I we do talk about this sometimes. And there, I think there are two things. It's just their background, as they came from South Korea. That physicians are just this, I would call this super respected authority figure, and they just kind of assume that's exactly how it is in the in the United States. So that's that's basically uh, the first thing. And the second thing is uh, they struggled, you know, making a, a living, uh, making a living here because they, you know, they came with, I don't know, they with an umbrella and, and you know, a couple of hundred dollars or whatever. I don't know the exact number. Uh, and then uh, they they struggle so much, et cetera, et cetera, and they want a better life for me. So mm -hmm. essentially, th those are the two things. Although ironically, uh, we know that that's not always the case. We we've seen you know physicians lose their jobs and such, and we've also uh, 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 you know it's funny. I told them, hey, if you have uh, Korean connections, you know. Uh, send send uh, them to my practice, my private practice. And they say, oh, no, current people don't go to doctors. They just respect them a lot. It's like, okay, <laughs> that's very interesting. And um, uh, anyway, so that's the kind of interesting tidbit of answering that question. It is. It is. 
Uh, I don't know about your family and friends, but like they, you know, mine doesn't go, you know, they would, you know, well, my, yeah. my parents do, but you know, the, the stereotype, and it's actually true that, you know, they themselves don't even go, uh, which is, you know, and it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, why, you know, and they would rather just handle it themselves <laughs> or yeah. Uh, I think it was like Ronnie Chang, um, you know, his stand up at Netflix, he was like, you know, making fun of his mom. Um, and she was saying, like, they just take your money. You know, why don't you go? Because they just take your money. And I'm just like, well, isn't that the whole point? Isn't that the reason why you wanted me to go in the first place? Uh, you know, it, it's like. It, it, but I, I thought you wanted me to go to help people. And he's like, no, you know, I just want you to go and take other people's money yeah. <laughs> and be respected. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, so, it's a, yeah. so unfortunately, um, I'm not sure if helping people was actually the priority of the whole bit. You know, it's really about, you know, being respected. You know, um, I'm sorry to out, you know, all the you know Asian Americans <laughs> out there. Or maybe if this was a light bulb, you know, I think you should go and actually ask your parents about this. Um, and then might, you know, hopefully you don't have like a midlife crisis or anything like that. Or, or the midlife crisis is the stressor that'll help you find your identity, right? It's the, yeah, yeah. outside the sandbox, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. So that way, like, you, you know, you know, maybe decide to do something else <laughs> and be like, here, here, mom and dad. Um, so, you know, so another question, you know, uh, diverging from that as a follow-up is, for the ones that do come to you either to seek advice or counsel or, you know, share just, you know, um, you know, uh, a relatability, um, you know, what are the hurdles that they have that they have been going through? Mm -hmm. You know, is there is there unique uh, struggles, you know, that, uh, for Asian American physicians actually mm -hmm. go through, you know, um, I'm actually very, you know, curious. I mean, I have my own, you know, struggles. I'm yeah. not sure if they're related to just being Asian American, yeah, but yeah. like, you know, I, I, I'm curious, you know, for those that you've had discussions with about this topic, like what have been unique to them that they had to hurdle through? Yeah. It's, um, as, as a way to look at it, I will say this when I'm with, let's say my parents or in a Korean context per se, there's a particular way I do things or say things just because I have this habitual way of doing things. But when I'm in the hospital, I have this way of doing things in the hospital or I'm with English speaking friends. Um, I'm, I can do this this way or I'm mm -hmm. with English speaking Asian American context. Then it's a little bit different. And all of them have different values, expectations, maybe belief structures as well. And it's, it's at some point, who, who am I? I miss all of these different uh, contexts. Uh, you know, my parents say this, they want this, or, or why aren't you doing this? And then they say like, that, that makes no sense. So it's, it's this then, okay, uh, I understand that they want different things. They have different expectations. Uh, and part of it is, part of my personal thing is I want everyone to be happy, right? Which, you know, maybe a physician thing as well. Like you want people to be happy. Maybe, I mean, that's a whole different discussion for a whole different time. And it's about juggling these expectations about parents who, you know, they say, oh, I did so much for you. And then how could you do this? And, and versus just, this is my life. And this is my years of residency that I did or my years of struggles. And, I'm my own person, and uh, I'm sure other people have uh, sort of similar 
uh, situations, but it's this, uh, I, I find a, a common theme is, is synthesizing the sometimes opposite uh, different context that's going on and, and the ones that we particularly discuss with this different expectations and backgrounds and uh, beliefs about, you know, work, career, stability, things like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, hopefully it doesn't, uh, you know, you still deliver the same, you know, great care that you do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it's almost like a little bit, and again, you know, we can go into this at a whole nother topic, but like customer service, the business side of medicine, mm-hmm. hospitality, part yeah. of it, that's actually, you know, for, you know, whether we like it or not, um, that's actually, you know, uh, part of it as well, you know, so it's, uh, it's about, you know, entertain, not entertaining, but like catering and uh, making sure that, you know, everyone, you know, gets the best, you know, customer satisfaction and patient satisfaction as possible. So I could see, you know, the struggle of needing to wear different hats, you know, depending on the audience, um, which I don't know for better or worse, you know, is that a right or wrong thing to do? You know what I'm saying? To be able to, you know, uh, you know, kind of turn yourself on and off, you know, depending on who's in front of you per se, you know, does it for you, for example, um, you know, do you feel that's a a lot of work um, when you have to do Mm -hmm. that? Uh, Well, personally for me, one of the things I've not been great at is really, standing my firm stance and ground, say, this is really what's important for me. This is really the value or belief or the rock I'm standing on, per se. And mm-hmm. I have a tendency to be kind of like whisked away what other people want, per se, uh, which mm-hmm. this is things I've been, you know, working on with, you know, professionals and myself and things like that. And uh, I would say maybe there's people who would, who would, um, relate and somebody who won't, someone who, who won't, but that's, that's, that makes sense is that my second, I don't call it third or half of life journey is really about, um, my identity, right? It's about what is the thing that I'm, I'm living for. Yes. I live for my parents. I live for my job. I, those are the things, but what am I living for? Uh, what, what is the thing that above all else, this is the thing that's going to be important to me. And mm-hmm. that's just something I've struggled with and had a hard time with this because uh, it was just easier to make everyone else happy so I can go back in my room and play with my Nintendo and everyone else is happy. I'm just alone and away from them. <laughs> but that's not how I want my, my life to work. I want to integrate and engage with people uh, and not, um, uh, what's that word called? Um, just do what everything, what everyone else wants, but be able mm-hmm. to engage with them as a person who also knows what I want, but but is engaging with others together as opposed to, okay, I'm going to do everything that you want at the expense of not really yeah. knowing what I want. But that's that's personally for me, um, uh, part of a lot of my journey recently. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. And uh, there's no right or wrong to that. You know, it's about you know, um, you know, I guess. I guess a, a good follow-up question would be like, what is the endpoint? What is the actual outcome? You know that you know whether you've reached that. You know, do you feel yeah. like a certain level of like comfort within yourself as a healthcare provider? You know, to um, you know what I think of immediately is boundaries. You know, um, maybe mm-hmm. let's just say, for example, 
you know, we're still working on it either personally or professionally in terms of our own identity. Right. And, um, you know, obviously we're at different stages and things like that. Um, but it's, I think one thing to talk about is maybe boundaries, you know, and not having, you know, you know, said patient or said family member or said, you know, friend or whatever across that, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I think to me, I mean, I've definitely learned and grown with that, especially over the pandemic. Um, and in a way, to me, how I look at it is uh, it's a kind of respect for yourself. You know, mm -hmm. when you're saying no to someone else, you're saying yes to yourself and, and, and vice versa. Right. Um, so I think establishing healthy boundaries, whether it's a, a patient, a doctor patient relationship, or maybe just like a peer to peer, friend to friend, mm -hmm. child to parent, you know, um, I think it's important. And uh, when you understand that, then, you know, then you learn to say to yourself like, okay, um, you know, I, I, I want to, I want to do better by myself. How do I do that? Well, you know, I want to continue to respect myself. So, um, and, you know, not do this or do this, you know, in the future. Yeah, I would say that's definitely a big aspect of it. But going a little bit more meta, I suppose, yeah, a little yeah. bit more abstract, <laughs> it's about waking up, enlightenment, quote unquote, mm -hmm. being more conscious about what you're actually doing. Mm -hmm. Because we all have our habitual, emotional, behavioral, cognitive reactions. And you just do things a certain way to reduce the anxiety or just because that's the way you did, you did things. Mm -hmm. Let's say I always ate this. So at the end of work, I'm just going to keep eating that. Or this is the way my parents always are. So I just always react that way. Or uh, this thing always scares me. So I just always run away. But those are uh, not conscious actions or thoughts or emotions or feelings. They're just... Uh, ways for your you automatically react mm -hmm. and having issues with borders is one way meaning um, um, boundaries is I'm just going to loosen up my boundary or excessively force my boundary because that's an automatic way to to deal with some sort of psychological or spiritual or phys physical or physiologic anxiety mm -hmm. uh, but essentially it's about then oh wait Am I just doing the thing like a machine? Am I machine-like and falling into this uh, way that I always do it? The same emotion, the same thought, the same habitual movement and behavior. Or can I actually respond and say, this is an uncomfortable moment. I know that this is what I typically do. And maybe I'll do something differently, even though I know it'll be uncomfortable. And that could be with boundaries for oneself or others, one's lifestyle, one's dietary choices. It could be anything. Uh, I'll say breaking out because that's not the idea. It's about being aware, really self-aware of, oh, wait, this is a moment in which I can consciously choose versus thing just happening again. Uh, and I'm, it's it's... I make it sound easy, maybe, but it's it's uh, <laughs> in that moment, it's just a lot of anxiety and fear, and you just want to yeah. do things where you do it, but it's training to be like, wait, waking up to that moment to yourself, 
and and uh, and doing that work. Yeah. 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 I think um, I think I, uh, if I may, um, yeah, and yeah. You correct me if I'm wrong. I think I think it's breaking up the patterns uh, of whether it's you know because as a practitioner of lifestyle medicine doesn't matter if it's like the best diet or physical regimen or what you have you it's really the lifestyle behaviors and the patterns that we get into and um you know you're 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 talking about things that are a little bit um they are somewhat abstract but it's like you know it's on this level where you know you have to really tune in and be conscious of because it's you know if you're not aware of it you will react like you said uh, let's just take, for example, like an argument, you know, between a couple and, you know, one person is, you know, on the offensive, the other person is on the defensive. And it's like this vicious loop over and over again and not being able to break up that pattern of doing something, mm -hmm. you know, different, you know. Um, so I think that's what you meant. And yeah. uh, and, that, and would that be able to it sounds like it can be applicable for other aspects of life as well. Yeah, uh, I, I would give one practical thing to do is find out what is something that you realize you do, but you realize you're doing it. For example, sometimes when I'm nervous, like do something with my hands or I'm passing something side to side or I'm tapping my legs or like my, my shoulders get tight or I shut up and don't say anything or I yell. Uh, there, what is a particular way that you react and you can say, oh, wait, I'm doing this thing that I always do. I'm clenching my teeth or my shoulders are up or I'm like playing with my hands or I'm there's a particular tell, I, I suppose, that, mm. that you can use to trigger yourself. Hey, stop for a moment and be a little bit more conscious of what's going on. Uh, and I'll, of course, getting help and people who can point it out to you. Is yeah, I was about to say yeah. that that's actually kind of challenging to do, do it yourself. Yeah. You might need yeah. like a friend to be like, hey, yeah. there's something that I do or say um, yeah. that yeah. you can yeah. help me, you know, yeah. break out of. So, um, yeah, no, that's actually pretty good, um, you know, because we're about to close out. And yeah. I actually wanted to go a little bit more practical, you know, in terms of like three tips you would impart for someone on how to get started with, you know, navigating themselves, right? Like mm -hmm. if you had to give them three mm -hmm. tips. So mm -hmm. one yeah. of them is, you know, you said, what are some patterns, uh, you know, to, to be able to break up, you know, for yourself and identifying those patterns. Can you give like a couple more? Yeah. Uh, I like the yin yang, an example in Chinese medicine, right? Uh, for, for very simplicity for this particular situation, yang is very outwards and doing. Yin is more about being and rejuvenating, resting. And they're both halves. But if you think about it, most of our life is more yang-ing and doing and not a much yin-ing. So the mm. practical idea here is, is half your day, half your attention, is it dedicated to resting, digesting, uh, parasympathetic, you know, uh, more relaxing stuff, or is... 75% of your day more like doing hot go and movement action. So that's, that's more of a question, but I think that's uh, if you look at the actual what you do, it seems it's very clear uh, what's going on. Uh, so that's that's number two. Uh, and, and number three is hmm, kind of uh, launching off number two is, is, is the balance is similarly to how we go and do things for uh, just got to work or whatever. 
or finding information from outside or watching TV or reading a book. Uh, but there's also a inner source of understanding as one of the uh, Buddhist saying goes, uh, I know everything that I need to know or something like that. I don't know exactly, but meaning look inside and balance the amount of attention being outside to, I'm going to go to this 40 hour conference. Great. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe next time also do a 40 hour looking inside sort of events and balance that out. Cause otherwise you just get skewed to one side or mm -hmm. the other. I guess the mm -hmm. question is how much attention goes also towards I don't solitude, but inwardness versus mm -hmm. also the outwardness. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm also talking to myself here. So, uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, no, for sure. And that, and, you know, practical, you know, applications would be like, you know, meditation, uh, deep mindful breathing, um, even as something as simple as going for a walk and not, you know, what I like to do is go for a walk, not have ear earplugs, not even carry my phone, co be completely detached from the matrix. And, um, you know, and just allow myself to, you know, when things come up, you know, just try not to react to them, you know, just kind of have a very neutral observation to what comes up, whether it's in my body, whether it's a thought, um, and then just, you know, know that it will pass. Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot of Buddhist and Zen type of uh, philosophies, um, you know, so, but yeah, I totally, totally understand. I think most people don't know how to do that, whether, I mean, you tell me, but, you know, I think most people don't know how to do that. One, we're in a very fast pace, you know, let's, let's just be obsessed with being busy. Why? I don't know, yeah. but let's just, you know, keep being busy for some weird reason. And then, you know, and not really think about, you know, ourselves, not really, you know, critically think, not really take the time out to figure out oneself, you know what I'm saying? Because I feel like people, don't really have a good trusting, in my opinion, don't mm. really have a good trust, can't really depend on themselves. They're so used to depending on something outside of themselves. It's very, very odd. You know, it makes sense, but it's very odd at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah this is the perfect example of how people react. Maybe people are listening to us talk and say, oh, I can't leave my phone at home or I can't do that. And that's a perfect chance to say, oh, wait, why am I thinking that way? Or why do I have to keep doing something? Those are all chances to say those, but then you have to stop yourself and say, oh, I'm having that thought reaction. So <laughs> I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know if you ever read um, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very good book, um, but there's a fifth agreement. And the fifth agreement is um, uh, basically question everything. Um, be skeptical and question everything, even yourself, you know, um, and even people like that you trust and rely on and stuff like that. So it's always putting yourself in a very curious mode mm -hmm. um, and a very questioning, you know, mode instead of just completely trusting something immediately, you know, like question it, you know, there's no right or wrong to it. Um, Francis, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out. Um, if people are interested to learn more about you, to reach uh, reach out to you, how can they find you? Um, I know that you have a, a book as well. Like, like, tell, share, share, share your stuff. Uh, yeah, I'll say the best way is go to drfrancisu.com, and all my social media is at drfrancisu. I set it up in a way where everything's sort of easy to find from that one way. Uh, including the books and all that, which I'm sure we could 
talk a lot about, but there are basically a lot of questions to for curiosity and contemplation as well. So, but Dr. Francis Yu is the way to find me. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we really appreciate it. You know, I feel like this kind of discussion, you know, you could have, you know, <laughs> you know, asking the, the, the identity of man and what is my purpose in life has, you know, existed since, you know, I guess man came onto the scene. So um, I don't think there's always uh you know, there's always going to be an end to, you know, this type of question. And it's great because it, it forces you to, you know, continue, continually, you know, question, um, you know, even in our current era, you know, so thank you so much, uh, Dr. Francis, you for coming on and sharing your, you know, life wisdom. Um, and I'm sure we can do another talk just based off of, yeah. you know, your, all you've amassed and learned. Yeah. So, but I really appreciate it. Yeah, you too. Um, guys, thank you so much for watching this episode. If you like this, please share, uh, like, comment, and subscribe. And if you feel like this was a benefit for others, uh, please let them know as well. And uh, you know, until next time, please say goodbye to Dr. Francis Yu. <laughs>